I really believe today that this is going to be a good day for, for some of you in the room. I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments where everything goes wrong. And so because everything's going wrong, then probably something good's going to happen. We're having one of those days today. Um, I, I got up this morning. I went outside to put my stuff in the car. I'm getting ready to leave. And as I go to put my stuff in the car, I had this big cough. And it was one of those coughs that comes up and you're not expecting it. You know what I'm talking about? A surprise cough. And when I did my surprise cough, I banged my face on the top of my car and busted my lip. So the whole time I'm talking right now, I've got a cut inside my lip and it keeps catching on my tooth, right? So if I start lisping in just a minute, I didn't take any kind of medicine. I'm okay, um, but I do have a little bit of a lisp this morning. And then we get to church and, and I'm here and, um, and obviously, you know, some of you guys may know, but uh, our... Our backbone of our, of our staff, Beverly Carter, her, her father passed away this week, and so she's not with us this morning, um, but she's usually the one that gets all the food and all the stuff ready, and so I'm already a little bit nervous because Bev's not going to be here, and then I decide for some reason to step outside, and when I stepped outside that door, a water line had busted, and there was water flooding the entire back back there. So I called Trustful. They come out, turn off our water, so that's why we don't have any water right now. Um, but Zach Martin, one of our church members, is out there working on it as we speak. And so hopefully we can have some water for you guys to be able to use the bathroom before the end of the service. And now that I've mentioned that, everybody's got to use the bathroom, I know. But you can be like the Cochran family. They all just went outside. <laughs> Jeff said, Pastor, is there a tree out here we can use? And I said, there's a ton of them. Just pick any one you want. And I thought it was a joke until he started coming out with a line full of kids all holding hands. And they... <laughs> Went out and just fertilized the woods for us. So we're good. We're going to have a lot of green grass out there. Let's get to the word before my wife gets on to me this morning. Luke chapter 2. I've got one verse for you today um, of, the, of the Christmas story. And then um, I've got one other verse that's going to tie us back into that. And then I'm going to finish with one more verse. So you're not getting a whole lot of Bible verses today, but there's a lot of meat in these verses, I think, that are, is important for us today. So Luke chapter 2, verse 7, it says, So she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger. Here's the key part. Because there was no lodging available for them. We often say there was no room in the inn, right? I want you to think about this for just a second. You've got the Son of God, the Messiah, is being born on earth and he cannot get a hotel room. He can't get a place to stay. There's not a bed in town for him to be born in. And so they don't just put him in a living room somewhere. They don't just put him on a couch somewhere. They send him out to a backfield to a manger, which is essentially the area stable. It's a barn area. And they put him out there to be born. And so what I want to talk about today is this idea that sometimes I feel like, and maybe this isn't just me, maybe it's some of you too, but I feel like there are times in my life where there's not enough room in my life for Jesus. We've got the God of all creation, the Savior of the world, and yet sometimes he gets relegated to a stable out back. He gets relegated to a barn. He gets relegated to a backfield, someplace that we visit, but we don't stay, right? Think about it for a second. If you had a barn, you don't go stay in the barn. You don't go live in the barn. What do you do in the barn? You go out there, you do some work, and you come back inside. And sometimes I feel like my life gets so busy and so cluttered that when it comes to Jesus, he gets stuck out in a barn somewhere 
where he gets visited every Sunday morning, but then he stays in the barn. And so what I want to talk to you for a few minutes today is making room for Christ. Is there room for Christ in your life? Is there room for Christ in your home? Is there room for Christ in your hearts today? Are we making room for him? And I could have gone with a couple of Bible stories. There's a couple of stories out of the Old Testament. There was one story where, where a man, uh, the, the Ark of the Covenant, which was the, the, the very presence of God, was being brought into a town. And they just took it and stuck it in this guy Obed-Edom's house. And the Bible says that Obed-Edom it just got put in his house. And everything in his house got blessed. And I think it's amazing that sometimes the presence of God, Jesus Christ, just shows up sometimes. And he is a blessing to you when you allow him to show up. Then there's another uh, story in the Bible that there was a lady and she said she needed a place for the man of God to stay. So she literally built a room for the man of God to stay in her house. And then she was blessed. And so there's this idea that we need to, sometimes we need to just allow space for God to come in. We need to allow space for Christ in our life. And then sometimes we need to create space for Christ in our life. You got you to make something happen. And so um, one of the things I want to use as an illustration today, and I don't want to be in everyone's way, but I've got this couch and this is, um, this couch kind of represents some of our lives sometimes. And as you'll look at this couch, it's very cluttered. It's very messy. Um, there's a lot of junk on this couch. There's folded clothes. There's pickleball paddles. There's a toy. Um, now, this might be somebody's toy here in the church. I found this one out back. So if there's a kid screaming for their toy, there it is. I got it. Um, you can have it after church. There's some garbage here. Um, and then there's some Christmas stuff here. So we've got, this kind of represents our life. It's just, it's just cluttered with a bunch of stuff. And I don't know if you've ever been to someone's house before that invited you over to their house. And then whenever you got there, their couch looked like this. Anybody? Anybody want to admit? Nobody wants to admit it. But you know, maybe your couch looks like this right now. Um, And so you're definitely not going to raise your hand. But Jay, if I invited you over to my house today and I said, I want you to come over. I want you to hang out with us, watch a football game, eat lunch with us. um, and, And then I invited you over and the couch looked like this. What would I have to do? I would have to start moving some stuff around to find a spot for Jay to sit, right? I've got to make a space for him, but it's not very inviting if I leave all my junk here. I had a friend of mine one time and he said, uh, hey, let's go uh, for a ride. We're going to go to the store, go to a restaurant. I can't remember where we were going. And I said, all right, cool. I said, I'll ride with you. He said, okay. And I opened up the, the passenger side door to his car. And when I opened it up, I'm not lying. This is not an exaggeration. This isn't a typical pastor story that gets stretched out. Um, not that I tell those, but someone else does. And so, um, but this, this guy, the, the floor of his car, the passenger side, the floor was completely full with McDonald's and Burger King bags and hamburger boxes and cups all the way up to the seat, all the way up to the seat. And then the seat itself was completely full. And he looked at that and he looked at me and he just starts grabbing trash and just throwing it in the back, you know, and there was like an animal in there and he grabbed that and just threw it outside. It was crazy. All the stuff that was in there. And sometimes I feel like we tell Christ, I want you to be a part of my life. I want to invite you into my life. I want to spend time with you. I see the benefit of this. I see that my life needs this. But when we invite him in, our couch looks like this. Our heart looks like this. And it's kind of a mess. And so the second verse I want to give you today is Hebrews chapter 12. It's not a Christmas verse. Hebrews 12, 1. 
but it's going to give us a little bit of an idea here. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge cloud, uh, a crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. A couple of words I want you to point out. Um, one was let us strip off. The second one is the word weight. And the third one is the word sin. So a couple of things I want you to notice is there's a difference in this scripture between weight and sin. I need you to pay attention to that because it's going to make sense in just a minute. There's a difference in weight and sin. Weight is just anything that holds you back. It may not be sin. Weight could be a good thing, but it's just holding you back. So he's talking about running a race here. Whenever um, uh, a few years back, I used to run these Spartan races, these obstacle course races. And I ran a bunch of them and I loved them. They were so much fun. And the first time I went to a, a Spartan race, I got out there and I've got on a T-shirt and a, and a hoodie and, and it was cold outside. And so I'm all bundled up and I'm seeing these people run this race. And one of the things I noticed was if they had a big T-shirt on, like a big cotton T-shirt, whenever they got in the mud, that T-shirt just began to cling to them and, and it became heavy on them. And I started looking around and I saw t-shirts laying all over the ground. And it was because as people were going through it, they realized how heavy this was. And they began to strip off their t-shirts and run without a shirt on because it was easier to run um, the race without the shirt on. I started noticing that, that people were wearing what they call runner's tights. It's, it, it, ladies, it's, it's kind of like your yoga pants, only thicker. And so guys think we can wear them if they're thicker. And, um, but these runner's tights, and I noticed that they were wearing those, and I thought, that's interesting. And, but the reason was, is whenever they were wearing, because I was wearing these big, baggy, um, athletic shorts, but whenever I went under the barbed wire, which they had barbed wire crawls, um, my shorts were hanging up in the barbed wire, and it was slowing me down in my race. And so I started realizing there's some things that people don't wear because it slows them down in the race. And there are some things in our life that are good things, but they're slowing us down. It may not be a bad thing. It may not be a sin, but it's slowing us down. Um, it, it may not be something bad, but it's in the way when Christ comes to sit on the couch. When he shows up at our house, is is it is it in the way? And so, um, so a couple of things I want to I want to notice there is we it says lay aside. Uh, the word lay aside means put things away. And I want to tell you three different places that we put things away. So in today's message, I'm going to have three quick little points about where to put things away, and then later I'm going to have a couple more quick little points for you. But the first one is this: I, I want you to notice a couple of things here. So first of all, on my couch, I want you to notice this over here. The first place we need to put things away is we need to put things away in the closet, right? If you were to come sit on my couch and I looked at this, I would notice, hey, I've got folded clean clothes right here. And, and I don't know if you guys do this or not, but my wife and I sometimes will fold clothes on the couch, right? That's where we fold clothes and we set them on the couch. And if we're not careful, we'll leave them on the couch. So you got to go get them. So these clean clothes, these clean clothes are not bad. They're good clothes. And I might put these pants on later today when I get out of this terrible suit, right? Like, like I, I, I did this just one time of the year outside of a funeral or, or, or um, wedding, Kim asked me, she said, who's getting married today? I said, it might be somebody getting buried. I said, you better watch your mouth, Kim. So, so I've got these clean clothes, and I might want to put these clothes on later, but for right now, for this moment, I need to take these clothes and put them in the closet. 
in the closet is a temporary place. It's not forever. It's not for a long time. But I'm going to take these clothes. Here's my pickleball paddles. Um, I'm not going to play pickleball today, but I'm going to play pickleball at some point. So I need to take these paddles, just put them in the closet. I don't need to throw them away. I don't need to give them away. I just need to put them where they belong. I got a toy, not even mine. I stole the toy. I'll definitely put that in the closet. Don't want anybody getting it. And then I've got my jacket here. And my jacket, I will wear this later today. I'm going to just take that and I'm going to put that in the closet. And now I've created some space for someone to come sit. What does that mean, Gabriel, putting stuff in the closet? What that means is this. There are some things in our life that aren't bad, but it's just kind of getting in the way whenever Christ wants to spend time with us. When the Holy Spirit is drawing us to spend some time with him, maybe we need to turn off the TV. It's not that the TV is completely bad. I'm not telling you to throw your TV out. I'm just saying there may be some times that it goes into a temporary closet. I just turn it off for a little while. Maybe I need to put the fork down and, and say, look, I'm not eating this today. I'm not, I'm not going to um, eat right now. I'm going to take some time away from food. I'm going to take some time and I'm going to just spend some time with God. It's not that I'm never going to eat again. It's that I'm taking a little bit of time and spending some time with God. Maybe I need to wake up earlier or, 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 or go to bed later. But whatever the case is, it is there are some things in our life. And I want you to be thinking right now, what are the small things in your life that aren't bad that you will do every single day? But whenever you feel the Holy Spirit calling you, whenever you know, I need to spend some time with him. I need to I need to read my Bible. I need to go pray. I need to turn on some worship music. But the game's on. Right. I need to do this. But I've got this activity that I really want. I really want to go play pickleball. And so what we need to do is start thinking about what are the things in our life that maybe need to be put away temporarily so we can spend God time with God right now. The next thing is this. So we've got the closet. It's the first place to put stuff away. The second place that we lay stuff aside or put stuff away is the attic. And so what I've got right here, let me get this stuff out of the way. What I've got right here is all of our Christmas stuff. So, so we've got a Santa hat, you know, and, and pajamas and a sweater. And so this is our Christmas stuff. And this is legitimately one of our Christmas boxes. Like this is for real. I pulled this out from under the bed this morning uh, before I left for the house. I mean, left for church. Um, and so in this Christmas box, these are all the things that Perry only lets me wear in December. So I know my time is running out and this is going to go back up in the attic, right? And what happens is the attic is a place that I store things that I don't need right now. I'm not going to get them back out. They are for one day someday. The attic is for something that I need to push off. But the problem is if I have this stuff out all the time, then I'm going to want to wear it all the time. So Perry says, put it in the attic, and then I forget that I have it, and then I go find it every December, and it's like Christmas all over again, right? It's, it's exciting. But I put stuff in the attic that I don't need. So in our attic, we've got stuff that's for, um, you know, Valentine's, or we got decorations, or we got different things that are, that are in the attic that just stay up there, and they only come out once a year. There are some things in your life and in my life right now that if we were really honest, we may not need to be doing them right now. There are some things that may be for another season of life. But we are so determined to have everything that we want right now that we are willing to take something from another season and bring it into this season right here. And what happens is that becomes a distraction to what God's trying to do in us. It becomes a distraction to what Jesus is trying to say to us. It becomes a distraction to, to what he's trying to work. And the thing is, it's not bad. It's still good stuff. It's just not for right now. Whenever I was younger, um, I, uh, 
I had this, I had this issue, and, and I've, I've, it kind of sparked up this week. I was talking to my mother-in-law and my wife about this. I had this issue when I was younger. It was an area of immaturity and insecurity. And so in my immaturity and insecurity, I felt like I always had to be dating somebody. I always had to have a girlfriend. And so, um, so throughout my high school years and middle school years, I always had to have a girlfriend. And, and then I got out of high school and I had to have... And one of the things I realized was that, that this always having to have somebody was a distraction to what God wanted to do in my life. And, and this obviously isn't for everyone, um, but... But I want you to just think about this for a second. So what I did was, is one summer I decided I'm going to stop dating anyone for a summer. And, um, and I know for some of y'all, you're like, for a summer? Wow, that was really bold there, Cotton. Um, it wasn't a, it, I just said, for the summer, I'm going to not date anybody. I'm going to take some time off, and I'm going to try to get my focus where it needs to be. I'm going to try to grow up a little bit and be more mature. And that way, whenever I do date someone, I'm not so insecure that I always have to have somebody, but I can wait for the person that God brings into my life. See, what I was doing was is I was grabbing every girl I could find that would date me because I, I was so insecure instead of waiting on who God had for me. And so I, I set aside dating for the summer. And Perry's like, it was me. Um, I set aside dating for the summer. And then that summer turned into the fall. And that fall turned into the winter. And, and I still wasn't dating anyone. And it was okay. And I was fine. And I did notice Perry, don't get me wrong. I thought she was beautiful and a lot of fun. Um, but, but we didn't start dating until the next year. Almost the next summer. It was almost a year that I took. And whenever I started dating Perry, one of the things I noticed is my, I was still pretty immature. I was in my early 20s. But a lot of my insecurities had been replaced. Because I'd learned how to spend time with God. I'd learned how to depend on Him. And we do the same thing, not just with dating. And, and some of y'all are like, well, you're talking to all the teenagers. No, I, I, it's, it's all of us. There, there's some of us that we get so focused on a, a particular job or a particular adventure. You know, I, I want to I step out and I want to do this thing. And, and what we're not thinking is, is this God for me right now? Is it God for me right now? Paul said this in the Bible. He said, I wanted to go to Asia. But the Spirit of God stopped me from going to Asia. He blocked me from going to Asia because it wasn't the season for me to go to Asia. God had something for me somewhere else. But sometimes we get so um, focused on something because it's good. Gabriel, this is going to make me a lot of money. Gabriel, I'm going to win the loss. I'm going to go to Africa and be a missionary. Whatever the case is, it's good and we want to do it, but we're not considering, is it the right time for this? Am I in the right season of my life? To be able to do these things. And so some things, if we're going to make room for Christ, we've got to put some stuff in the attic. It's not good right now. It's not God right now. It's good, but it's not God right now. And then the third thing gets us to a more permanent, and that's trash. So these are all the, this is just, we did family Christmas with Perry's family this week. And, and this is what the house looks like. It's just, you know, after all the kids have opened presents and, and the adults have opened presents and the, and the house just looks like a mess and there's trash everywhere. And um, thankfully, Perry's family has a wood-burning stove. And so we're just chunking all that stuff in there, you know, and, and you just hope there's not a toy in one of those boxes um, unless it's a loud one. And so, so some stuff, some stuff has to get thrown away. It has to be permanently gone from our life. And whenever we get rid of some things that are permanently don't need to be in our life, now all of a sudden we have room for Christ. And, and what are those permanent things? Well, the Bible said earlier, it said the weight that holds us back, weight can be good things that just aren't, aren't for now. 
right? Some of them are very temporary. Some of them are more long-term. But then it says, and the sin that so easily entangles us. And when I was studying, um, the, the word uh, easily trips us up or easily entangles us, it actually has a bunch of meanings. And some of them don't necessarily make sense with each other. And so one of the, one of the guys I was reading that, that was writing about this, he said in his writing, he said, um, it's odd that scholars kind of disagree on the different meanings. It all basically makes, makes sense and it all pulls you in the same direction. But sometimes they, what they feel like the Greek word was defined as is a little bit different. And so I just want to show you a couple of things that it means. Number one, it means some sins are easily avoided but aren't. There are some sins in our lives. It's trash. It's trash on the couch. It's, I tell my kids this all the time. It's too easy to put trash in the trash can. Don't leave trash out. My kids, we have a counter, and next to our counter is a trash can. My kids will leave trash right there. And I'm like, all you had to do literally was this. Like all you had, you brought the trash from your room and put it right there. And all you had to do is that. It's too easy. There are some sins in our life that are easy to avoid. And sometimes it's those easy ones to avoid that we end up getting stuck in. It's the easy ones that we end up falling to. Sometimes it's just too easy just to change the website, just to turn off the TV. That's easy, but we keep it on. Sometimes it's easy to avoid that person that you know. If I get in a conversation with that person, it's going to go down the wrong path. All I got to do is walk past their cubicle, walk past their office, walk past their desk. But instead we stop because we enjoy it. Some sins are easy to avoid, but we still fall to them. Another word was a weird one. It was the word admired. Why in the world would a sin be admired? But then I got to thinking there are some sins that are admired by others. But they need to leave. I have this box here, and, and this is something I don't know. Beverly or Anna did for something here at the church. And, and I thought about it, and, and as I was looking at it, I thought, you know, this really is nicely wrapped. It really is pretty, um, a pretty box. And I can admire this pretty box. I can admire it, and I can say, oh, I want to hold on to this because it looks so good. But at the end of the day, it's still trash. Sorry, Anna. It's still trash. It's still just an Amazon box with some wrapping paper on it. It's still trash. It still needs to burn. And sometimes we have these sins in our life. And and I want to tell you one, an easy one. An easy one is greed. Greed sometimes can be looked down upon, but a lot of times it can be admired. Look at that businessman. Boy, he has it all together. That lady works so hard. And what we're not thinking about is if greed is driving someone and they've abandoned their family, they've abandoned their, their marriage, they've abandoned their, you know, their God, and they're just pursuing money, you can admire them from the outside. But if it's greed, it needs to go. So there's some sins that are admired by people, but they need to go. The third word is the word ensnaring. Ensnaring. That one seems to make the most sense to me. Ensnaring. Listen, folks, there are some sins in our life that are just hard to get rid of. There are some sins that are hard to get rid of. And if we continue to leave them on the couch, we're going to have a hard time getting them off. There was, um, there was some um, honey. Someone gave us some honey. And um, the, the way the honey jar is, it's got one of those cork tops, right? So instead of like a squeeze bottle of honey, it's a cork top. 
And so you open the cork, you pour out the honey. But if you've never, maybe I'm just the dumbest person in the world, and I probably am. But whenever I pour out the honey, I even try to twist, right? Some of y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy. You twist so the honey gets back in the jar. Every single time, the honey still gets outside the jar and all over the counter. And so I go to put my hand on the counter, and then my hand stuck to the counter, right? Because I got the honey is there. And then the honey spills out. It moves. Honey has a life of its own, and it gets on every piece of paper that's on the counter. And now all my papers are stuck to the counter. There are some sins that are like that, and if we can learn to avoid them, it would be helpful. But a lot of times we allow these things into our life, and they're so hard to break free from. They're so hard to break free from. And whenever we find ourselves in one of those places, that's where we need help. Typically, when it comes to sins that are easily avoided and sins that are admired by others, those are the easiest ones to go talk to somebody about. But whenever we find a sin that we feel trapped in, we don't want to tell anybody about it. And that's the one we need to talk to someone about. Why do we have prayer every Sunday morning? Why are we doing communion today? Because there's some of us that have a sin that we're stuck in and we can't get freedom and we need someone else to help us. And then the fourth one is this. Some sins are dangerous. They're just more dangerous than others. All sin is sin in God's eyes. But in our eyes, there's some sins that are more dangerous than others. We tell people this, you know, I I use this illustration a lot with my family, and I've used it with you before, but in our family, um, in our family tree, alcohol has never been a good thing for us. So people ask me sometimes, why don't you drink? The Bible says, you know, take a little wine with the stomach's sake, and, and the Bible in the Old Testament talks about drinking, and, and that's fine. Um, but, but in my family, in my family, in my genealogy, in my past, alcohol has never done anything good for us. It has always been a dangerous trap for us. And so I told my kids, I said, kids, I know you're not your grandfather and you're not your dad and you're not your great grandfather and you're not all these people. But at the end of the day, for our family, the alcohol, we can't do it because it's dangerous to us. It leads us down a path that apparently we can't control. And we want to maintain freedom in that area. Listen, there's some sins that we, you and I, we need to just learn to say, hey, this sin, it This thing may be okay for someone else to do, but for me and my house, we can't do it. There's a reason behind it. Perry and I were talking this week, and we were talking about this, and she said there's some TV shows, there's some TV shows that that you can't watch. She said if, if if you've got an addiction to some stuff... Watching certain TV shows you don't need to watch. And, and she said, and, and that's what that dangerous is. It's dangerous and it's a trap. It, it, it hangs us up. And so we've got to be careful with those sins. And we need to allow God to come in and cleanse us of that stuff. I'm going to end with this last verse. And then, um, then Erica's going to come up. It's Psalm 4610. It's a simple verse. We've all read it a million times. It says, be still and know that I'm God. I will be honored in every nation, and I will be honored throughout the world. We usually use this verse to signify rest. Be still and know that I'm God. Rest. Sit on the couch and relax and just know that I'm God. Turn on some music. But you know what? The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says be still, exclamation mark. In other words, it's a command. The Bible, God's not saying be still and relax and chill. The Bible's saying, stop rejecting me. Make some room for me. Stop being so busy and know that I'm God.
and know that I'm God. Start listening to me and submitting to me. The word, the words there on know that I'm God, it, it's a belief that's transformational. I don't know about you, but in our home, if, if you were to tell me right now, if you said, Gabriel, I'm coming to your house this afternoon, as soon as church is over, I'm coming to your house and I'm going to bring you lunch and I'm going to come inside and I'm going to say hey to you and pet your dogs, whatever the case is. Let me tell you what's going to happen. If you tell me that, my wife, my wife is going to leave here. She'll skip communion. She just had surgery. She's probably not supposed to be driving. She'll steal a car. She'll go home and she will start rage cleaning my house. Because you said you're coming over and you're going to come inside. And she will rage clean my house until it's spotless to make sure that it's okay for you. What happened? She believed so strongly that you were coming over that it affected her actions. When the Bible says that we believe in Christ, we believe so strongly that it affects our actions, it affects our lifestyle, it affects who we are. And then the last thing it says is he'll be honored in the world. This Christmas, what are we going to do to bring honor to Christ? What are we going to do to make room for him in our hearts and our lives? What are we going to do tomorrow morning to make room for Christ? There may be some things that need to be put away temporarily, some things that need to be put away for a season, and then some things that need to be thrown in the trash. Look for those things this week. Look for those things today. And and as we take communion, maybe we can deal with some of that stuff today. Amen.